Hi everyone, Aurora with Supercharged Science, Homeschool Science Resources for K-12. through And I'm going to give you the, uh, the seven steps to unlocking your kid's inner Einstein. How do you do that? How do you get a kid that is not interested in science, or maybe is challenged in some way, or really is interested, but you don't know how to support that? There are seven easy steps. Grab a pencil, write these down. If at the end of this you need more help in doing this, we can totally help you with that. Go to my website, www.superchargedscience.com slash easy. Like, wow, that was so easy. Superchargedscience.com slash easy. And there you'll find all kinds of homeschooling resources for teaching your kids science in a way that really sticks, in a way that's fun and doesn't feel like a lot of work. Okay. So, seven steps, you ready? Here we go. And I used to actually call these the seven biggest mistakes people made when they teach science, but we're just gonna flip it around and I'm gonna tell you what you need to do. So don't worry about what, what the mistakes you need to avoid. Okay, so first thing you gotta do is make an impact. So, for example, you guys are working on a math problem or you're working on a, a say a physics problem and uh, very rarely are kids really interested in a problem that says given the acceleration is 0.015 meters per second squared and the distance is 0.75 meters you know what is the velocity after a certain amount of time it, no one got inspired by science by that kind of learning now academics are important but the first thing you got to do is make an impact. So, for example, if I'm teaching, say, about acceleration, I'll walk into a classroom with a bucket half full of water and ask, hey, who can turn this upside down and not have any water um, fall out? And, you know, the kids are really interested. There's a puzzle to solve. There's something interesting going on, right? So it, you're making an impact. And it doesn't have to be expensive or fancy. It just has to be real. And so that's what you want to do with your kids. Number one, make an impact. Number two, don't give away the ending. This is the number one thing I see that is so annoying and in, in actually... Um, and actually destroys people's excitement and interest so fast. It is so destructive. So here's how it goes. You will be doing an experiment. It'll say step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, this is what you should expect. No scientist in their right mind is going to do an experiment they already know the answer to. <laughs> so science isn't about what you know. It's how you handle what you don't know. What that means is, is that you need to teach your kids how to ask questions and how to hone their observational skills so they can be curious about the world around them. So don't give away the ending. If you're using a curriculum that has that, just delete it, just put a, you know, put a piece of paper over it so the kid doesn't see the ending because you want them to experience the discovery process, right? Okay, so that's number two. Number three, you gotta give them a space to learn. You gotta have a designated space that is theirs, that is, um, you're not gonna come in and clean up it is totally theirs. now they're responsible for keeping it neat and clean and anything that falls off the table is yours that's fine but you need to make sure that they have the tools for the job for example you want to give them a, um, a microscope and teach them how to use it and have it available to them so anytime they're in the garden and they see something like a bug or an insect or you know a feather and they want to check it out they have the tools to do that and it's the repetition over and over and over that will get them engaged for a life um, for a lifetime really and an inexpensive telescope um, and especially binoculars binoculars and microscopes are two of the most important things you can buy telescopes yeah they're cool but I mean, they're kind of useless unless you know where to point them. So I would recommend those two things, which leads us into number four, give them real tools. So none of these plasticky things, none of these custom molded parts that kids could never create on their own. We're talking about tools like um, hot glue guns that are low temperature and you teach them how to use it. Again, this is all with responsibility and, you know, with 
the things that are common sense here. Um, you're going to give them real measuring things like a measuring tape. You're going to give them rulers. You're also going to give them simple tools like um, hammers, screwdrivers, sockets, and you're going to teach them how to use it because what better education than taking care of your home, for example. Um, you know, the toilet backed up last week. My two oldest boys in our high school were on it. It was fixed. I didn't have to do a thing. <laughs> I also gave them resources like books, handyman books that said how to fix anything. <laughs> Those you want to add to your library, stick them on your shelf where kids can flip through them and it's like, wow, that's how that works. And you want them interested and engaged and in the real world. Now, true, you're not going to learn how to fix a toilet in regular school, but when you're homeschooling, you have so much more available to you about the real world and you can make it fit. I mean, how great would it be if, you know, for example, my kid came home, I think it was two months ago, and he's like, well, I don't have anything to do this afternoon. And I was like, well, you know, I'm sure he'll think of something. So I went off. Ten minutes later, I come in. He's on a ladder, and he's replacing my ceiling fan. And I looked at him, and silly me, I said, well, do you know what you're doing? And he goes, no, but I'm going to figure it out. And he had the handy book, band open, the handy book, book open um, on how to replace a ceiling fan, because this one um, doesn't work, and we had one in the garage that did, but I just didn't get around to it. I mean, how cool is that? And that kid, every time he walks in there, he's like, that was me. I did that fan. I mean, you can't buy that gold moment that they feel inside, right? That's what you want to create. Okay. Mistakes are, how do I say this? As grown-ups, we are so well-meaning. We love our kids. We don't want them to feel the same Ooh, that we did when we made mistakes, but check it out. When do you learn more? When you get it right or when you make mistakes? Yeah, when you make mistakes, right? That's when you learn. Now, we're not talking about dangerous mistakes that are irreversible. You don't want your kids playing on the freeway. We're talking about mistakes that are learning experiences. You know, my kid forgot his lunch. Did I go take it to him at school? No. Now, this is back in preschool. No way. Are you kidding? This is a great learning experience. He came home really hungry. Next day, he packed his own lunch, had it in his backpack by the front door. Now, my other kid, it took him, I think, about three weeks before this finally, he finally figured out that, Oh, I should bring my lunch. <laughs> so kids are different, but you want to provide them opportunities. When they do a science experiment, it's okay for it not to work. That's what the real world is like. And so when kids feel whatever they're feeling, and we talked about this in an earlier Facebook Live when, um, you know, what are their beliefs about what's going on? What do they believe to be true about what the situation is? So if they think, oh, I have to get it right the first time, just like the instructions did, just like that perfect instructor that I'm watching, then they're going to believe that when they don't, it, they get frustrated or angry or sad or disappointed or they beat themselves up. And this is your opportunity to come in and show them how to handle that emotion. So they're focused on getting up and they're not focused on falling. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter how many times you fall. Best snow skiers in the world fall like a zillion times, right? It's you want to focus on getting back up, getting back in the game, right? Does that make sense? Okay, so we got make an impact, don't give away the ending, make sure you have a space for learning, give them real tools, mistakes are expected, and it's, um, we have a famous saying in our house when mistakes happen, and we're like, ah, to be expected, <laughs> it gives us just a moment of just like a pause button so our emotions don't like come in and take over and get us upset. Okay, thing number six, you guys ready? Oh, is this too much? I hope it's not, I hope this has been useful. Um, number six, acuity. You gotta have acuity about what's going on with your kid. Specifically, what I mean by this is how they learn. There are four different ways kids learn. I went into great deal on this uh, with acuity for um, on another Facebook Live, but real quick, there are four different types of learning styles and four different kinds of communication styles. And they may be a match and they may not be. For example, I talk really fast. 
I am visual. I, I like things big. I like things loud. This is just my personality. It's, it's not wrong. It's just who I am. There are some people that are kinesthetic. They like to feel and experience things. They usually talk slower. They take deeper breaths, right? Okay, so that's kinesthetic. This is communication styles right now. Okay, and then there's auditory learner, uh, auditory communication where it's um, the tonality. There's there's much more flavor and color in the in the sounds that you're hearing. Okay, that's auditory. Um, digital means it doesn't mean you know computers. It means digits on a page. It means you can actually see things on there. Now everybody has all four. It's just where your center of gravity is, which one you prefer more. Okay, so all four, right? So you've got the communication styles. Now learning styles, same names. Some kids to get their aha moment need to hear it. Now, I this is auditory learning. I have a kid like this and it drives me nuts because I'm visual in order to learn. I'm, I'm visual and I'm kinesthetic and I, you know, I'm like, look at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> he doesn't. He's like, yeah, look at that bird. But he's totally hearing me, 100%. He's connected with me and it drives me crazy. But now I understand it doesn't drive me crazy anymore. So I have a child who's auditory who in, he has to hear it and then he's like, ah, I get it. I understand how that works. Other kids are kinesthetic. They have to do the experiment. They have to sit with it for a while. They have to mix up the chemicals. They have to build the robot. They have to physically build it themselves and they're like, oh, I get it now. Oh, this makes sense. Um, and there's also digital learners. These are actually more rare, but um, all they need to do is read a book and they've got their light bulb. They're like, ah, that's it. Um, and so everyone has all four. It's just which one is the most dominant, it's the most preferred. And we all have the ability to do all four. So you can communicate in any of those ways and you, um, your child will also have a learning preference. And you wanna make sure those are matched. So if you're a visual and you've got an auditory learner, it's going to be a challenge when you deliver information to them. Does that make sense? So if you want more details about this, Go to my website, www.superchargedscience.com. There's a ton of resources on how to do this. There's also um, in our video archives on Facebook Live, there's a whole, like, I think it's 30 minutes long where I go into really um, a lot of details about this. Okay, last one. You ready? Okay. How do you teach kids new things? Is the last one. And you do that, one of the easiest way to do it is to link it up with what they already know. And this just makes it so much easier. For example, if I'm teaching water purification, you know, we're taking swamp muck, and I actually evacuated an entire school by accident. <laughs> so I had a sample that I was brewing. <laughs> so it was sitting in the back of my car for three or four weeks, and it had, you know, last night's dinner in there, you know, a month old now, and, uh, you know, all kinds of leftovers and compost. And I just left it in there in a big soda bottle, and I cracked it open, and I said to the kids, I'm like, hey, we are going to purify this into clear water and the kids are like no way and then I open it and the smell was so horrid the school had to be evacuated everybody but our class our class is like no we're staying we're doing this <laughs> so everybody else was like what is that smell all right so imagine we're doing water purification now how do you explain to kids about coagulation and sedimentation and filtration and all these great big shun words right so an easy way to do that is say, hey, you know when I make pasta? And they're like, yeah. Well, how do you get the pasta out of the water? I mean, like, how do you put it, you know, get it from the pot where it's boiling and stick it on your plate with the sauce on it? Like, how? what happens? And they're like, oh, well, you just put it through a strainer. The big stuff stays in. The water goes out. And you're like, aha, filtration, right? You already know how this works. So you can do very simple things related to, and, and especially if you can do it through story or analogy, it'll stick so much better with your kids. And it's, it flows a lot better, and it doesn't even feel like work, and kids are learning stuff all the time. You're like, oh, I get it. 
Now, if you want help with that, and you're like, I don't even know how to relate old stuff with new stuff. I, I don't know how to do that. That's actually the basis of my online science program. So you can go to superchargedscience.com easy, and I'll walk you through with a video and show you exactly what we have. And if you would like this and you'd like more, you're welcome to sign up and join to be part of our family. And I would recommend signing up at least on our email list because next Wednesday I'm doing a free chemistry teleclass. Now this is a webinar teleclass. We all get together. Um, I actually broadcast, uh, not on Facebook Live, but on something much more reliable because <laughs> Facebook Live is not as, as easy. Um, and so I actually will um, do a free chemistry class. Now this is for grades two all the way through 10th. There'll be a short shopping list where um, you can get the different materials because we're gonna be doing experiments through class. And it's just a, a way that we, um, my science family gets together. And um, I'm the teacher, you guys are the students. We have students from all over the world. You'll hear people chiming in from like India and China and London. And we have a big following in the Philippines and Singapore. I don't know why, but we do. And Texas and tons of states, a big following in Canada, as well as Mexico. So people come from all over and it's a really cool environment for kids to participate in. And everybody's invited. Um, it's everybody on our email list. So this isn't something we publish to our website. So make sure you sign up on our email list. Go to my website, www.superchargedscience.com. There's no cost for this. If you want to do the experiments, just get the couple of things that are outlined on that list. You'll get the invite as soon as I finish typing it this afternoon and uh, and then you can join us for that I hope this has been helpful make sure you check out I've got all kinds of videos on YouTube I've got a ton of videos um, on Facebook and Instagram and check it out and share this with others so it'll help make the world a better place and get kids engaged and excited and passionate about science I will see you soon thanks so much